Welcome to Ew, That's Creepy podcast. In this episode, Melissa will be telling Jackie about a string of fires that started in East Texas during 2010. What began as a potential accidental fire at a Baptist church turned into a manhunt for multiple perpetrators. Please be aware that this episode will discuss arson and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Hello, creepy cats. Welcome back to Ooh, That's Creepy podcast. Jackie and I hope you had an amazing holiday, an amazing December. I can't even believe it's 2023. We're going on two years since we've started this podcast. That's insane. And you guys have been amazing listeners all the way through. Yes. Always supporting us. I can, it seriously feels like not even a couple months ago that we did that first episode on those twins. Remember? Yes. And now everyone's obsessing over a freaking Twilight Reel on Instagram. Oh my gosh. (laughs) How far we've come. Okay, guys, if you aren't following us on Instagram, just go look on Even That's Creepy Podcast. Jackie has been posting a lot of great reels, and she posted a reel about the Twilight series, and it now has 100k views, which to us is a crazy amount. So definitely go give that a look. I just think it's funny because it's Twilight, like of all videos, but everyone loves Twilight. I should have known. I should have known. Good job, Jackie. (laughs) Thanks. Give the people what they want and they still want Twilight. And it's the Collins. (laughs) (laughs) Or Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, today Jackie and I are going to be talking about some arson cases. Actually, something we've never talked about on this podcast, Jackie kept saying heists, so let us know if you want us to do heists as well. Yeah, I don't know why I kept, because I feel like they're not that similar either. I just kept wanting to say heist, but I know it is arson. So I cannot believe, too, I had never heard of this case. I don't know why. It just seems like, I mean, obviously there's so many crazy things going on in the media, but there are cases of arson that were going on still that were unsolved. Strings of arson. And I just could not believe that a lot of these cases don't make it to the front page media like you would expect. So... This case is often referred to as the East Texas Church Fires. This took place in 2010. Um, This first started in Little Hope, Texas. Such a cute name. (laughs) It was a rural farming area that was kind of centered around their churches. And the day was January 1st, 2010. New Year's Day. Well, it's kind of good timing, I guess, of the story. It's bad timing because they're going to start their new year with arson. I know. I just meant you telling it because it's January. Oh, sorry. My (laughs) mind went dark. (laughs) Yeah, no, obviously it's bad that it's starting in their new year. I just meant it's ironic because it's obviously the very beginning of January. Yeah, I did think that as well. It did kind of fit. Um... 
Reverend Bill Parr, he was the pastor at the time for Little Hope Baptist Church. He was living in the small building. You know how churches sometimes will have a little connecting building where church members can live and they have um, sometimes events, store things, all that kind of stuff. So Reverend Bill was living there. And as he started his morning, he received a phone call from a church member saying that there was smoke coming out of the church. And when Bill looked outside, he could see that there were clouds of smoke puffing out from the church. Firefighters responded quickly, and there were three boroughs that responded to the fire. I think that the area was just, the towns were so small. They didn't really have fires like this before, so... Even though the closest borough was Canton, Texas, two other boroughs actually came out to assist as well, which was nice. All hands on deck. Yeah. And when the firefighters were going inside, they saw that many sections of the church were completely burnt out. A lot of it was unable to be saved, such as the kitchen and education rooms, which is sad because... It was um, a lot of rooms that they really needed, and it was basically burnt to the point of no fixing. As firefighters investigated the cause, they initially told church members, and they did say publicly that the fire was accidental and caused by a bad electrical box, but firefighters did keep it under wraps that they found a stack of hymn books and other paper products that were stacked around the church piano, which was clearly intentionally lit, and that was what started the fire. So they kept it a secret, but firefighters knew that Little Hope Baptist Church was a victim of arson. Yeah, that's concerning. Is it religiously motivated? Mm. But remember that, that they didn't make that public because that will come back into play. Firefighters were just finishing extinguishing the blaze at Little Hope when they got another call that there was another active fire 25 miles away in Athens, Texas. And it was another Baptist church. So this time it was the Faith Baptist Church, and I believe it was just two hours after the call for the Little Hope Baptist Church. I'm starting to think it is religiously (laughs) motivated. I know. Firefighters, again, a couple different departments responded. Everything was under control pretty quickly, but... When firefighters looked at Faith Baptist, they also could see that things were amiss. There was a window near the offices of the church that they could see was broken, and it looked like someone had used that window to make entry. Investigators also determined that a burglary had taken place, so it was pretty clear that once again, this was arson. The public was not informed of the two potential arson cases, I think because it was New Year's Day and these were little towns and firefighters didn't want people to panic. But I mean, I feel like you can kind of put it together. If you saw both those on the news, you would be like, hmm. You could, yeah. That's weird. That's (laughs) suspicious. Cardi B voice. 
Literally, yeah. I think that they just, they definitely said the first one was electrical. I don't know if they made a statement about the second one, but I think that they also hoped maybe if they didn't go super public, the arsonist would drop a hint and they could get them. A couple days passed after those events and there were no fires, but on January 11th, a fire was reported at the Grace Community Church and that town was just south of Athens and Athens was where the last fire happened at Faith Baptist, so in the same area. This fire specifically was obvious, again, because one of the side doors was wide open when firefighters arrived. They talked to the pastor who had closed the church the previous night, and he said he knew for sure that he had shut all of the doors and locked them. And there was also multiple different origin points, multiple points in the church where they could see that blazes had been started. So again, it wasn't a faulty furnace or anything. There were multiple spots that had been burned and spread. So sadly, Grace Community Church also was clear that they had arsonists on the loose. And it's really sad because the church was, they said, basically a shell when firefighters finally stopped it. So These aren't just little fires. This one was like, you set it in so many spots. And it's like, what are you getting from that? I really don't understand. Like, what? You're robbing it, but it's not like a church is going to have a lot of money or anything. So seriously, what are you getting from that? I agree. It really is sad because even if it's one of those things, even if you hate what the church stands for. There are specific people who go to these churches, make donations, invest their lives into it that have nothing to do with it. But we'll talk about a motive and everything like that later, of course. Before firefighters were even putting out the fire at Grace Community Church, another call was made. Oh my God. Reporting that the Lake Athens Baptist Church was also on fire. And this church was only three miles away from Grace Community. So, you know, they can't even... Wait, what year was this? 2010. So I feel like someone has to have cameras. Or I guess they probably got burnt down. (laughs) Well, it's now... And too, they can't even lie to the public. It's obvious because you could be driving down the road and see the fires right there. They're both... They're both churches. It's clear that there's no just electrical issue. Police and firefighters, they brought in the big guns because now they have four fires on their hands in the matter of 11 days. And they call in the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, referred to as ATF. ATF investigators, they were on the scene. They brought in their sniffer dogs, trained in accelerants to sniffy sniff the remains of the church. Um, And ATF found that the arsonists had used a piece of concrete from outside of the church to break through a window and then used hymnals, chairs, and any other flammable items that they could find to make a stack and then ignite it. So it's already, they already have a pattern. They're already breaking in from outside, using items that are in the church to set the fire, 
often doing multiple origin points. It's kind of ballsy because they have to be there for a little bit. I know. And, you know, you're making noise breaking in through the window and then you're setting this fire. But I guess because it was more of a rural area, you're yeah. taking a risk that someone would drive. But it is crazy that they aren't doing this at night. Some of these are during the day. So they are pretty ballsy. Yeah, they definitely are. Just a few days later, five days later, firefighters in Tyler, Texas, were called, stating that a fire had broken out at the Thailand Baptist Church. ATF investigators and firefighters went to the church, and it's pretty much the same scene as the previous fires. A window had been broken, allowing the arsonists to make entry. They used items from the church to ignite a blaze. ATF did find multiple shoe prints, and they could see that one was a tennis shoe. The other was a working type of boot print. And ATF now realizes that there's two arsonists, not just one who was doing this. They also noticed that as of this time, after the fifth fire, that all of them were started at Baptist churches. So perhaps they had a bone to pick with that, with the Baptist churches in the area, is what investigators were starting to assume. But the next day, before they can... And it's crazy because they can't even do that much investigating. Like, they have so much on one hand. They know the pattern. They have the shoe prints. But at the same time, everything's happening so fast. So the next day, on January 17th, 2010... The First Church of Christ Science was also reported to be on fire. This church was located in Tyler, Texas, so the same town as the day before. But this was a not a Baptist church, so investigators kind of were like, huh, all right, breaking the pattern a little bit. But again, multiple windows were smashed. They This time a door pane had been used, I think. I'm not sure if they broke it in or what, but that was how they entered. And then again, used hymnals and other flammable items around the church to set those items on fire. And again, they had lit multiple little stacks. So they are going to, they're definitely trying to burn down the entire church, not even just one fire for attention or this or that. They are trying to burn down these churches. Destruction. Yeah. Yeah. On January 19th, 2010, um, police and investigators announced that they would provide, well, ATF specifically said they would provide a $5,000 reward for any tips that led to an arrest or identifications. The next day after making that um, notice to the public, Instead of receiving a tip, investigators received a call that there was another (laughs) fire. This is the seventh fire. That's, and they're like, here's your tip. In 20 days. Like, holy. That's crazy. I know. The Prairie Creek Fellowship Church was located in Lindale, Texas. So this was the same county that Tyler was located in. 
So pretty similar area. Once again, they're not going too far. Same pattern as before. A glass door had been broken. The arsonist entered the church. This time they found a storage type of closet and they used all the items in the storage closet to set fires. The police and investigators, it was all hands on deck. The fire at Prairie Creek was the seventh in three weeks and there were three different counties involved. So talk about just a task force of people. At this point, there has to be. They need to put an end to this quick. I know. And the shit. It's getting out of hand. I know. And the shit now. They Listen to all the different people that were now involved. There was the Texas Department of Public Safety, the FBI, ATF, the Tyler Police Department, the Henderson County Sheriff's Office and Fire Department, Van Zant County Sheriff's Office and Fire Department, Wills Point Police Department, Smith County Sheriff's Office and Fire Department, Fire Marshal's Office, Athens Police Department, and the Canton Police Department. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're done playing. Yeah. (laughs) That was their task force, like so many people. And, but it was pretty crazy because when the task force and experts in arson were looking into the fires, um, they did see that the patterns, although the same pattern of the fires between, like this case specifically, they did the same routines. It was odd that there were two people, usually arsonists, it's just one person acting alone. And at first it was Baptist churches, but then they started to just target other churches And they didn't do it at a specific time, like just at night. Sometimes they did during the day. So they were just kind of like all over the place, which I think made it even more difficult to try and find out who it was or to try and plan to catch them or plan when a fire would happen, really. ATF decided after the seventh fire that the reward was raised from $5,000 to $10,000 for any tips. They should raise it more than that. I know. But then, nothing. A few days passed, and then two weeks went by. Then a decade. No, I'm just kidding. What? (laughs) No, two weeks did go by. So... They were not done, sadly, the arsonists. I think that they got nervous when they saw that there was a task force and all the rewards, but they obviously could not help themselves. It's crazy, like, thinking if they would have stopped there, would they have gotten away with it? Yeah, that's true. But they didn't. On February 4th, 2010, reports of a fire at the Russell United Methodist Church in Van Zant County... The same routine, a rock was thrown through the glass, they entered whatever combustible items that they could find, they started multiple fires with. Devastatingly, like, this part just is so sad and irritating. The Russell United Methodist Church had been active since the 1870s, and they had a ton of their original records and memorabilia from... Literally when the church was formed inside. Oh, what the hell? And it was burnt and could not be recovered. 
Hmm. Dang it. It just makes me so sad. Like, you're... That is just like, okay, you're mad at the church, whatever. Burning historical records and things of that significance to the town? You're taking away a piece of history for what? And that's not even... That's... It's obviously the churches, but that is for that town as well. There could be cool records that they could have looked at. Like, that year could be one of your ancestors in a picture. I agree. That's uncalled for. As if the seven arsons weren't bad enough. I know. Don't fuck with history, okay? (laughs) Three days later, on February 7th, 2010, a church in Tyler reported to police that their security alarms were going off. So... I think in 2010, security wasn't obviously what it is today where everyone has cameras and things like that. But this one church did. So they had an alarm system and someone had tried to break in. The alarm system did scare off the intruders. But investigators came out and searched and they found a shoe print. And when they compared photographs, they found that it did match the same shoe print from the fourth fire at Lake Athens Baptist. And it was confirmed that this was a Skechers brand shoe worn by Satan Hmm. himself. That damn Skecher. Interesting. Did not see the person wearing Skechers. I know. The next day, so they, that, there obviously wasn't a fire that night, but it was Um, helpful that police could get another confirmation of the shoe. The next day, though, on February 8th, 2010, around 8.30 p.m., another fire broke out in Tyler, this one at the Dover Baptist Church. The same routine. Routine You guys know what I'm going to say. I'm not even going to repeat it. Yep. (laughs) And once again, the Skecher shoe print was found outside. They didn't even change up their shoes. I know. Like, you're wearing the same shoes. Well, I guess you might as well if they have the shoe print. True. But, yeah, wearing the same Skechers to the eighth fire now. Wow. As firefighters worked to put out the blaze and save what they could, they received another call around 930, just an hour after. Like, how do you have time? How are you just that... Yeah. Brazen that you think with firefighters so close, you can just start another fire. But they did. This one was at Clear Spring Missionary Baptist Church. And this is also crazy. That same night, there were also two other churches that reported break-ins. But these churches had alarm systems as well that scared off the intruders. I'm like... Two in what what time span were they going to start more fires after the two before, like... Yeah. After the double fire on February 8th, investigators asked the nearby area to check surveillance footage that they may have. Jackie, you called it. Finally. (laughs) A convenience store nearby did report that they had surveillance of a parking lot... And they saw, when investigators looked at the footage, they saw that, I think, it said that they saw a man in view. I'm not sure if this was someone walking by, getting into a car. I'm not sure if they were driving, but it just said that they saw a man on the camera around the time of the fires. 
Then police got a tip that two men were spotted on an Exxon gas station surveillance tape. And this was during, this was in between the first and the second fire. And one of the men, when they looked on the footage, appeared to be the same as the first surveillance. So it was the same person, the same time frame. Police are on to something. They're getting closer. The investigation is getting hotter. Ooh, that's a bad pun. <laughs> ATF decided to increase the reward to 25000 And then an outside insurance company announced that they would offer 30000 Wow. They've had enough. They're invested. Because they're pr- paying for all these claims that now. true. <laughs> yeah, they're like, please, someone help us. So, with a lot of money on the table... Now calls are coming in, and there was a call that was sent in about a man named Jason Bork, and someone said that they were an acquaintance and that they just knew he was responsible for all of the fires. Detectives were following up on every lead at this point. They found Jason Bork's address, and they decided to pay him a visit, So, on February 11th, police go to Jason's residence. They say that they're looking for vehicles that match what they saw on the Exxon footage. And Jason said that they can look at his truck. He takes them to his garage. And when he opens up the garage, there's shoes and things like that. And one of the detectives looks down and notices a muddy Skechers brand tennis shoe. The Skecher. The muddy sketcher on Jason's garage. But nothing else was found, so police couldn't make an arrest or anything like that right away, but they definitely had Jason on their radar, that was for sure. They started to secretly watch him, follow him around. On February 13th, Jason drove from his home to Atwood's Ranch and Home Store in Tyler, Texas, Police didn't see anything odd, anything out of the ordinary. But a couple days later, workers at the store noticed that a phrase had been carved into the side of a bathroom stall. And it read, Little Hope Was Arson, with an upside-down cross that was inflamed. So, Little Hope Baptist Church was the first fire, and that was the only one that police never announced was arson, because that was the first one. So... That's creepy. I don't know if Jason gave himself away on purpose, like he wanted to be caught. I don't know if he was bragging and just didn't care at that point. But police, just to confirm, looked on the surveillance footage, and they saw him go, Jason, go into that restroom the day he was there. Police now had enough evidence, and I don't know how exactly they tied how they found Jason's accomplice. Another young man whose name was Daniel McAllister. I don't know if they just got a tip. I don't know if they were looking into Jason and, like, saw him hanging out with Daniel, if they checked phone records or what. But on February 21st, police did issue two warrants. One for Jason Bork, one for Daniel McAllister. Their bond was set at $10 million. Ooh, 
And they were facing felony charges because the locations were churches. So it's not looking good. There were multiple pieces of evidence against them. Shoe prints, surveillance footage of the two of them. Uh, Jason's little craft session in the bathroom. So <laughs> I don't know what he thought he was doing. No, so stupid. I think subconsciously, like he knew he was gonna yeah. get caught. Mm-hmm. On January fourteenth, two thousand eleven, Jason and Daniel did decide to plead guilty. There is clearly too much evidence for them to take their chances. Jason was sentenced to life in prison plus twenty years, since he seemed to be more the mastermind of this little thing. Daniel was sentenced to life. They, the two of them, didn't really provide a motive during the trial, which did just confuse the communities. I think it was pretty obvious that they were mad at the churches. That much is clear. But they were never being that forthcoming with it. But in the years following their sentences, the men have given a little more information Daniel claimed that the two were doing drugs, which clouded their judgment. Jason specifically said he was taking Chantix mixed with Prozac, which caused psychotic episodes. Chantix is a drug that helps you stop smoking. I couldn't find anything Hmm. on that causing episodes. I mean, I know he said he was mixing it with Prozac, but I don't know. He said it caused... Lapses in memory and judgment, which attributed to the fires. But I don't know. I'm like, there were eight to, there were eight fires, could have been like 12 with the number of people who reported break-ins. I, yeah, it's like, okay. I mean, it seems a little more than just that. It affects your judgment, but at the same time, you guys followed the same plan that you had to have thought of yeah, before. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The same routine every single time. So. And the times that you failed, you still you still started a fire after that. They think it's like Donnie Darko or something. Having <laughs> a psychotic episode. Like, didn't you watch the end of that movie? What happens to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing good. He goes into the abyss. <laughs> The real motive, obviously, was the men's disdain for churches at that time. Jason was raised by his grandparents. They were reportedly devout Christians. Daniel was homeschooled by his parents because of religion. So they clearly both were brought up in strict religious households, it seems. In a New York Times article, it was said that Jason and Daniel had gone to church together when they were younger. But at the time of the fires, when they were in their 20s, both men experienced some life changes that made them question God and question their faith. Daniel's mother had passed away and he was having trouble finding a job. While Jason had dropped out of college and was kind of just feeling lost and clearly angry with the world, so... I think just a mix of drugs and these men being going through hard times in life, trying to find blame and someone to take it out on is really what caused all these fires. While in prison, Jason has been outspoken saying how sorry he is and that he knows he caused a lot of emotional and physical damage. He said that he is now an active Christian and is going back to school. 
I couldn't find any statements from Daniel that many after, so I'm not really sure currently what he's doing, but the two of them are obviously separated. And as for members of the churches that burnt down, they obviously faced a lot of emotional distress, so much physical damage in total, like probably millions of dollars all these churches put together in damages. I did read an article from KLTV from 2020. It was kind of a 10-year follow-up on the church fires. And the church members said that they have forgiven both perpetrators. One church member even told KLTV that if Jason or Daniel ever were released from prison and wanted to worship at the church, that they would still be welcomed with open arms. Oh, I know. That's really... Really nice. So sweet. I was like, damn, love and forgiveness, Kim, still prevail. Yeah. And I got a lot of my information, I would say 75% of my information from this ACES Online article, which was like a security management type of website. And after they talked about the events, they gave a ton of tips for how to prevent arson, and specifically what churches could do to prevent arson. They went from listing inexpensive things to, you know, installing security systems and things that could cost money. But I was like, oh, that's really cool and helpful that they included that because, you know, they're not putting blame on anyone, but they did make points, just little things to lock up anything that's flammable and lock up rooms at night and things like that because you just never know as a small business what could be going on and it's just so sad that it's all these small towns and little churches that had to be victims to two men's rough time in life but rampage it is still nice ending knowing that the church members have tried to and forgiven the two of them so that much is nice i know and that is the East Texas church fires. I can't believe I'd never heard of that. That was crazy. I hadn't heard of that either. And it's just crazy that they committed so many, so brazen, like back to back and so close. Like not even. And it it is just really like for what? You got nothing from that. So sad. Right. Like how is the physical churches, the physical location to blame for you being down in life? Like, I understand. And how is that going to make anything better for you? I don't know. But, I mean, obviously, mental health was clearly a a factor, so. Yeah, and I do think that, obviously, they were both doing drugs, which hindered their judgment and things like that. But it's still just inexcusable. And the fact that all happened in a month and a week, how long is this going to continue? That is true. Hopefully, they're both getting the help that they need, and they're getting treatment while they're behind bars. Mm -hmm. And I do, I will say, like, snaps for the police and ATF and all of the, the whole task force, because they really did a good job, like, getting the security and finding that sketcher. That could have been something you just walked by and didn't notice, but I was like, oh, okay. They did. Good work. Good job, team. Whoa. 
So let us know, you guys, if you want more cases like this. Let us know if you had heard of this. I definitely had never heard of this before, which I know is 2010, but still you would think 10 or so fires in the matter of a month would be heard of. But let me know if you guys heard of it and let's kick off to a great 2023. Yeah, let us know what type of stories you guys want to hear this year. And as always, we hope you guys are staying safe, staying warm if it's cold where you are. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of Ooh That's Creepy Podcast. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ooh That's Creepy Podcast or send us an email at Ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.